This week's episode is made possible by our friends at Independent Bank. You can learn more about them at i-bankonline.com. Good morning, Memphis. You're listening to Meanwhile in Memphis on WYXR Radio 91.7 FM. Meanwhile in Memphis is a program dedicated to conversations that celebrate the organizations, initiatives, and people that are shaping Memphis for the better. Meanwhile in Memphis is brought to you by New Memphis, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to develop, activate, and retain the city's most important resource, its people. Your hosts today are myself, Anna Thompson, and Rebecca Daly. And I'm excited to dig into today's into today's conversation. But before we jump in, wanted to give a few quick event updates for New Memphis. On August 24th, New Memphis is teaming up with Spill It for a center stage event under the theme Baggage Claim. In addition to an evening of storytelling and networking, please join us for the big reveal of our 2023 Educators of Excellence Award winners. This is a really exciting opportunity to celebrate education and educators in Memphis. And uh, one of the ways that we are doing that is through a gift that is made possible in partnership with the Cruz Family Foundation, investing in these educators. So join us as we reveal the award winners. Um, If you know someone in your office who is new to Memphis, if you are new to Memphis um, and you're curious about what makes Memphis Memphis, join us for Memphis 101 on September 19th at the Brooks Museum of Art. We will dive into 901 reasons to fall in love with the city uh, by jumping out of the history books to uncover how the city came to be and how its history is shaping our future. So among the things that you will learn about at Memphis 101 are how local leaders impact our city, for better or for worse. This brings us to today's topic. Today, we're taking a closer look at the upcoming election season. Local elected officials determine everything from how our trash is collected and where it goes to the job readiness initiatives and incentives for developments in our city. They have a hand in determining what Memphis looks like and how our community collaborates and ultimately, the future of Memphis as a whole. We're bringing in Representative Ian Randolph from the Shelby County Voter Alliance to break down the nuances of local elections, debunk common misconceptions, and generally make Memphians more empowered to use their voices at the polls. Shelby County Voter Alliance, or SCVA as it is sometimes known, unites nonpartisan 501c3 organizations in Shelby County that are ensuring access to the polls registering voters, increasing voter turnout, and fighting for racial equity at the ballot box. Joining us today from Shelby County Voter Alliance is Ian Randolph. Ian is the founder and president of the Home Street Neighborhood Association, which represents one of several distinct communities in the Heights. He spent years in community development and neighborhood building and is an active member of the NAACP, serving as the on the Political Action Committee, Ian has also chaired the board of the Memphis Housing Authority and is really eager to get you to the polls. Please join us in welcoming Ian Randolph to the studio. Well, welcome, Ian, to our studio this morning. How are you doing? I'm doing just wonderful, and I'm happy to be here today. Good. Well, we're thrilled to dive into this conversation. Um, Do you want to get started by telling us a little bit about yourself and then about the Shelby County Voter Alliance and your role there? Uh, Well, I don't have much to say about myself. I'm Ian Randolph, and I help run the Shelby County Voter Alliance. We've been around since 2020, and the only thing that we focus on is anything related to voting. As I like to tell people, uh, the Shelby County Voter Alliance, uh, if there is something to do with voting, we have our hand in it. That seems like a big job. I feel like you're being very modest. Uh, It's a a decent job. So a lot of the work that you do with the Shelby County Voter Alliance is grounded in data. Can you talk to us a little bit about what type of data you're looking at within the community and how you use it? Uh, we, we look at a number of different things. Uh, one of the biggest things that we do, and, and I'll use my home organization as an example, uh, when we join, and the NAACP is a founding member of the Voter Alliance, but when we joined, like a lot of the members uh, at our formation, we turned our membership list over to 
the Voter Alliance. And we ran it through a system called VAN. And we were able to look at the voting data of our individual members so we could say, oh, okay, well, these amount of people or these specific people in our organization are not registered to vote. We see these people in our organization just show up to vote when it's president. Oh, well, now we see these people, you know, maybe if we call them or text them, around the time that uh, early voting has started, that'll be the impetus they need to get up and go vote because they're low propensity voters. But as an organization, we had a voter uh, voting number of over 80%. So that's really good for an organization because since I've been doing this, I hadn't seen another organization with a uh, voter participation like that from their membership. So that's one of the ways that we can use data to help you with your own particular membership. And that's really helpful because we can break it down and say, well, you know, you have a hundred people that live in district five. So if you want to go talk to your district five representative, you know, you can let them know that you have a sizable amount of your membership that lives in that particular district. Mm -hmm. And that adds weight to what you're saying. That's really impactful to be able to understand kind of the reality of where our community is sitting. And something you mentioned is people showing up for presidential elections versus people showing up for local elections. Is there a discrepancy between those? Oh, yes. (laughs) Uh, You know, I've talked to a number of people since I've been out doing voter registration over the summer. And they're like, well, I don't know if I'm registered to vote. Uh, have you ever voted before? Yeah. When was the last time you voted? When Barack Obama ran for president? I'm like, wow, well, <laughs> let's check your registration because if you hadn't voted in a long time, there's a chance that you could be uh, expunged from the voter rolls or put off the voter rolls. So let's check your uh, registration. People think that voting for the president is uh, the most powerful thing I guess they're voting for. And in essence, it is. But your local uh, city, state, county elections uh, have more impact on your everyday life than a presidential election does. You know, like now we're looking at what to do with the police. They're talking about enforcing its curfew on the children. We had the state legislature come down with the third grade retention law The reason that we have such lax uh, gun laws in Tennessee and we see how that's impacting Memphis and Shelby County is because of the people that we elected to go to the state legislature. And those people uh, don't share the same sentiment around guns that the people in Memphis and Shelby County do. So, you know, all of that comes from voting. And if you don't show up to vote in your local elections, like I said, city, county, and state elections, and you're doing yourself a disservice uh, because those impact your everyday life more than the president does. And then people vote for the president, and they forget to vote for the Congress people. <laughs> so <laughs> that's another issue you run into. You know, uh, it's a song I like. Uh, by Yellow Payne called My Vote Don't Count. And that's something that he goes through in that song. Like, yeah, we went out and voted for the president, but we forgot to go back two years later and vote for the Congress people. And the Congress people are the ones that make the laws. So you wonder why your president can't do nothing. Well, maybe he can't do anything because he doesn't have the legislative support that he would need to push his uh, agenda through. And all of that, again, comes back to voting. In thinking about kind of how all of these elected offices relate to each other and kind of the difference of how many offices may be on the ballot in a presidential election versus how many may be in a local election, do you have any understanding of what the barriers are to get people out to vote? Is it a lack of understanding what the offices do? Is it a lack of understanding who's running for those offices? Or all the above? (laughs) It's really uh, all of the above. 
uh, I hear some of everything. You know, I don't know who to vote for. I don't know who these people are. Uh, and I direct them to uh, the work that the Voter Alliance does. We do lunch and learns like every month, every other month. And we, over the summer, we focused on the ballot. So we had Mayor Warden on. Uh, mayor Warden had a unique perspective because he's been the city mayor and the county mayor. So we were able to ask him, you know, what does the city mayor do? What is the scope of the city mayor's responsibility? What's the difference between the city mayor and the county mayor? You know, yep. things like that that people say, we don't know what these people do. Well, the Voter Alliance has that Lunch and Learn series so people can learn about that. Uh, next month, we have another series. This is our second one, and it's called a Voter Academy. It's uh, three Sundays in a row from 4 to 5.30. Last year, we went through all of the uh, uh, elected positions, like the county commission, the city council, the clerks, the mayors, uh, some judges, because judges were on the ballot last year. And we went through and explained all of those positions. And if you had to have any uh, uh, pre-qualifiers to run, because a lot of people don't know, the majority of the elected positions, you don't need any pre-qualifier. You don't have to go to college. You don't have to have any experience. You just go get a petition, fill it out, turn it back in with your money, and you set to run. Uh, but this coming September, we will be focusing on the city and county budgeting process so people understand how money flows through our uh, city and county government. That's interesting. Um, can you give any examples of what Mayor Wharton said or kind of help for um – I'll be the scapegoat here, listener. You don't have to say that you don't know the difference between the city mayor and the county mayor. I'll say I don't. So what is the difference between the city mayor and the county mayor, other than one's over the city and one's over the county? Well, uh, this <laughs> this has nothing to do with physical strength, but the city mayor is a strong mayor with a weak council. The county mayor is a weak mayor with a strong commission. So to give you an example... Uh, Floyd Bonner, who is the sheriff, he's elected. The county mayor has nothing to do with him because that's a separate position. Uh, Wanda Howard's position, that's a separate position. The mayor has nothing to do with that. Whereas when you come into the city, our city mayor appoints our police commissioner, C.J. Davis. Mm -hmm. He put her in place. So that's an example of a mayor with a strong power as opposed to a mayor with a weak power. Oh, interesting. 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 So things like this are what you go over in your Voter Academy. How can folks get involved with Voter Academy or your luncheon series? Oh, well, you can go to Shelby voter.org that's our website mm -hmm. and from there you can sign up uh, to get information from us and when we send you information it'll be things about our lunch and learns our voter academy and the other civic work that we do uh, as I said when we were talking before we are nonpartisan we do not support candidates we do not support parties but we may support an issue so the people that volunteer with us, uh, a lot of them like the nonpartisan uh, position that we take because they want to be involved with elections on a volunteer basis, but they just don't want to be involved with a candidate or a party. So they come out and they help us do voter registration. We do canvassing. We do phone banking. We do text banking. Uh, basically anything that's going to touch a voter we are involved in it. And I'd like to say that uh, we were also involved with the city's redistricting process earlier this year. So anything that has something to do with voting, the Voter Alliance touches it, even if you want to call because you need a ride to the poll. Ooh, that's a good resource right there, too. I've seen um, in years past articles that, you know, the MATA 
buses have taken people to and from polling stations on Election Day um, in conjunction with y'all, I believe. Yes, uh, we've done that for a couple of years in a row now. And normally it's the last Friday of early voting when we've gotten uh, matter to agree to give free bus rides all day. So you can ride wherever you want, but the reason we put that in place is so you can go early vote. I love it. So what's the value of early voting versus voting on election day? Oh my, there are so many reasons to go early vote. Ooh, do tell. First and foremost, it takes no time. When you go early vote, it probably takes five minutes or less because nobody is in line. (laughs) The next thing, when you early vote, you can vote at any early voting location without having to go to your assigned precinct. So with a lot of the changes that have happened uh, after the census and with the city, state, and county redistricting that happened, a lot of people didn't know where their precinct was. But if you go early vote, you can go to, you're right, it doesn't (laughs) matter. You can go to any early voting location and vote. And it doesn't take long at all. If you, I know a lot of people that say they like the excitement of uh, election day. They feel a little electricity in the air and they want to go to their assigned precinct. And that's wonderful too. I just want you to go vote. And thinking about getting people to the polls who are already registered, if I'm not sure about my registration status, how do I go about checking that to make sure it's up to date? Well, you could visit ShelbyVoter.org. <laughs> we have a link that allows you to check your voter registration. Uh, if you see us out and about, we do keep a QR code on the table that you can scan and uh, check your voter registration with us in person. But if all else fails, you can go to the Shelby County Election Commission website. On the left-hand side, there should be something for voters. You click on that, scroll down a little bit, and you'll see check your voter registration. You click on that and fill it out. That seems easy enough. It does. Um, So I noticed on the Shelby County Voter Alliance website, it says, quote, The authentic voice of the people can only be heard if every eligible vote is cast. Um, I'm curious what you think makes the process intimidating for individuals. We've talked about barriers and how it could be individual. But I'm curious if you've run into examples over the years about what you think makes. Do people just not care? Do people think it doesn't matter? All of the above? We we are fortunate uh, to be able to go out to Bridges that works with young people. We go to Girls Inc. Mm-hmm. Uh, that works with young ladies. And we go to a lot of the Memphis Shelby County schools. <laughs> MSCS, yes, yes, indeed. And uh, when we talk to those young people, one of the things that they tell us is that they come from households where voting is not uh, important. So they haven't seen their parents or their relatives or their guardians participate in the voting process. Uh, To give you an example, uh, obviously I'm sitting here, so I believe in voting. (laughs) But (laughs) when I would go vote, uh, I took my kids to vote with me. And I'd hold them and I'd say, okay, baby, press that button right there. All right, you did good. Press that button right there. All right, you did good. You helped daddy vote today. So they grew up in a household where they were exposed to that. Uh, A lot of times when we go to Bridges or uh, Girls Inc. or the city school systems, uh, the election commission will allow us to take a voting machine with us. So we get the kids to work with the voting machine. You know, it's little questions on there like, what's your favorite food? What's your favorite pet? Things like that. Uh, And they get to choose which one. And once they go through that and they see that this is all it is. I just go to this machine, hit a couple of buttons and I'm done. Yeah, that's it. How long did that take? It didn't take no time at all. Was it hard? No. 
Okay, well, the next part of that is just learning who to vote for. And, you know, you have plenty of opportunities to do that with forums and things that the candidates hold, uh, stuff that's on TV and their website. So it's plenty of ways to find out about the candidate. So today we got you registered. We let you play with the voting machine. We got one third of that done. The second third is learning about the the candidates or whatever issue is appearing on the ballot. Yes, okay. Like last year, we had the constitutional amendments. And the third part of uh, what we try to do is actually get the people to show up to vote. Uh, and we do that by text banking, phone banking. We have a postcard, what we call a postcard parties that are going on now. And I'm going to brag on one of our uh uh, affiliates, our partners, uh, Planned Parenthood, did a postcard party this past Saturday. And it was, what, 15 women, two hours. They did a thousand postcards that we will be mailing out to people that we need to encourage to go vote. So the NAACP has one coming up. New Sardis Baptist Church has one coming up. Uh, 100 Black Women has one coming up. So a lot of our partners uh, like doing the postcards because it's something simple. Uh, it allows their membership to come together, do something worthwhile, and be sociable. Uh, so that's one of the ways that we get people to come out and vote after we've gone through the first two items. Some positive peer pressure. Yes. Absolutely. I love it. We think of voting in the realm of civic responsibility. Is that the only way to be civically responsible and civically engaged when it comes to election season? Uh, no. They have city council meetings all year long. They have county commission meetings all year long. They have school board meetings all year long. They have uh, the state legislature, though. They only meet from... January to at the latest May. They normally try to wrap up around March or April. So you don't have that many state legislative meetings. But uh, the way you can be civically involved is to go to some of these meetings and hear what they're talking about. If there's an issue that's on your mind, uh, maybe you want better trash pick up in your neighborhood <laughs> and go down to one of the city council meetings and complain. Uh, you have the opportunity to call and write your representatives. You can do that and be civically involved. There are tons of ways to be civically involved. But voting is one of the most efficient and effective ways of being civically involved because everybody can do that. Do you have any data to help us understand what percentage of Memphians vote? I'll approach it like this. Out of our uh, registered voters during any election, we'll be lucky if we break uh, 20 or 30 percent turnout because normal turnout is a lot lower than that. And that's just among the registered voters. Those are not people who are eligible to register to vote and having registered. Those are just registered voters. I know you can't see me, listener, but my mouth is, my jaw is wide open. I had no idea that the numbers were that low. Is that a silly thing to, I would have thought it was a Tennessee, lot more. Tennessee, in, in Tennessee context. has one of the lowest voter turnout rates in the country, and that is not an exaggeration. Why do you think that Tennesseans are not voting, are not registering to vote, if you're eligible, like any part of that puzzle, why are we not actioning on our civic activation? <laughs> I really don't think people understand the power that they have. Uh, our organization is nonpartisan, but I'm going to say this. If people in Tennessee knew the power that they had, and I'm going to pick on specific parts of Tennessee. Okay. Shelby County, Memphis, West Tennessee. 
I lump all them in the same category. Uh, Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga. If the people in those regions realized the power that they had and actually showed up to vote, this state would not look like it currently looks. And one of the things that I try to drum into everybody's head that will listen to me is you cannot gerrymander a state. And since you can't gerrymander a state, that means you cannot gerrymander the governor's office. You cannot gerrymander your state senators that go to Washington. What does that mean? Sorry, for those who don't know what gerrymandering means. Uh, draw a voting district in a way that benefits somebody. that benefits one side okay. and hurts another, another. side. Okay. Uh, if you would like to learn more about that, uh, I'm going to reference uh, Evan Milligan's recent Supreme Court case against Alabama and their redistricting process. And he won. I was shocked. He was shocked. <laughs> so Alabama has to go back and redraw their congressional maps to make it more fair to the people of Alabama. And uh, I'm also happy to say that if you'd like to hear Evan, Mill Evan Milligan talk about his Supreme Court case, you can reference one of our Lunch and Learns from uh, this past spring where we had him as a guest before he won his Supreme Court case. We, yeah, so we will definitely link um, your Lunch and Learns, the Shelby County Voter Alliance Lunch and Learns and things like that so that so they are available to retroactively go back and watch Yes. Okay, awesome. So, what um, an incredible resource. I know. So, we have our homework now. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. So, Ian, could you help us understand what a voting district is? What what defines a voting district? How do we decide those in our community? Uh, you don't decide. <laughs> <laughs> the state legislature, the county commission, and the city council decide the voting districts. So uh, to give you an example, uh, Michael and Easter Thomas is city council district seven. Uh, and inside that district, you have voting precincts and you have to have, depending on what level of government you're working with in the redistricting process, there's so many people that you have to have in a precinct. And then there's so many people that'll make up a certain district. So when, when you're redistricting, you can't just move one precinct to a, out of one district into another district because that particular precinct might have 10,000 people in it. And now, okay, I have to find some other precincts to balance out what I moved but I don't have another 10,000 precinct, 10,000 person precinct. To make it I even. got a 2,000 okay. precinct. I got a 3,000 precinct. Okay, well, now I've moved four precincts out of another district, and now I got to balance that out. So it's not just as simple as moving one or two things around. It's really a science to redistricting. And when you start redistricting and making the districts benefit one side and cause a detriment to another, that's when you move from redistricting into gerrymandering. Okay. How often does a state like Tennessee or anywhere really get redistricted? You are required by law to do redistricting after each census. Oh, after, so, so that's so every, 10, every years? 10 years. Okay. So the changes that they make to a map during the redistricting process will be in place for 10 years. So from 2020 to 2030 then, yes. right? Okay. So people need to pay attention when redistricting comes up to make sure that the, the boundaries are drawn fairly and done on time because that's another issue. Because there'll be in place for a decade. 
otherwise. Yes. Okay. And that also factors in as we go to the polls to know which districts and which precincts we're in. So that's if you haven't voted since the last census, you probably need to check your your voting district, right? And your status. And, and your status. Oh, yes. Because my, my, um, my precinct changed. Yes, mm-hmm. I went to the wrong place. They were like, we're so happy you're here. You have to go somewhere else. <laughs> yes, so, so we that saw was that on a me. lot So that was year. on me. So yes, there was a census in 2020. I know a lot was happening in 2020, but there was also a census. Yes. So redistricting happened. And and I assume you, you said that sometimes if you don't vote for a certain amount of time, you get expunged, but it's never too late to get back in the system, right? No, if you find out you've been kicked off the voter rolls, just fill out another voter application and you'll be put back on. If someone has moved in the time between the last time that they voted, do they need to, what do they need to do to update their registration? Is that just going online? Is it something that happens as you move and change your address? Well, technically uh, you should change your address when you move. So you make sure that you're in the right district, right precinct. And you know, the things that, that follow population movement, uh, with your districts and your precincts, like, you know, how much money gets funneled through for schools or whatever. Uh, now, if you hadn't had time to update your uh, address with the election commission, uh, you can always go early vote. <laughs> I love it. And uh, then you can change your address once you have time. Yes. Okay. I just want you to go vote. Yes, indeed. Legally. <laughs> yes. So um, this is going to be a part where we go into some of the common misconceptions or statements that we've heard or seen that people use as an excuse to not vote. And we would love your response to these. So one common thought is that local elections or my vote don't really matter. What would you say to that? Your vote does matter. Uh, I believe when Willie Harrington became mayor, he won by, what, less than two, three hundred votes. That was a very narrow margin. Those people's votes counted. Uh, We have a new district attorney. And the reason we have a new district attorney is because enough people who supported him came out and voted so you know i hear people all the time say oh they already know who they gonna put in office that's not true if you show up to vote you can have an impact uh one of the the exercises i like to take the children through and i'm gonna make it simple for this i'll pick seven people okay and one of them will have told me that they don't vote and so I'll say, okay, we're going to have an ice cream party. What's your favorite ice cream non-voter? Oh, I like chocolate. Okay, what's your favorite uh, ice cream voter? I like vanilla. Okay, so we're going to have a vote. And so we might have uh, three people that voted for, what's, what did I say, uh, vanilla. Mm-hmm. I might have four people that voted for chocolate I'm like okay y'all all voted yay chocolate won oh i forgot you don't vote and your friend don't vote so now it looks like vanilla won because y'all didn't show up to vote so just because so, you wanted chocolate ice cream you didn't, you didn't you, make you're that not voice. getting chocolate yeah. but if you had actually showed up to vote you'd have got what you wanted which was chocolate ice cream because you were that you were that vote that mattered Okay, I love it. Um, I've also seen in the news recently um, that seasoned reporters have said that this might be the most crucial Memphis mayoral election in a generation. One of the things that that is leading to that uh, is we have term limits now. And Mayor Harrington was the mayor for a long time. (laughs) <laughs> and then we had Mayor Warden, who replaced uh, Mayor Harrington. And so 
Strickland was kind of the, I say, uh, 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 the first mayor that we kind of had elected after term limits. So now we are electing a mayor truly that's coming after term limits have been in place and he can't run anymore. And before it was like the same person running all the time until the term limits came. So that's one of the reasons why this is a big deal, because this is a really the first mayor that we'll elect since term limits have been put in place real hard. Uh, and then we have a whole lot of people running. Uh, so an understatement. <laughs> This will be an an interesting race. As voters are looking to learn more about the candidates, the platforms that they stand on, where are some places that they can find that information? Uh, You can go to their individual websites. Uh, Channel 10 and the Daily Memphian had a forum last night that I watched on TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another one coming up. Uh, You can put this on your calendar. It's September 7th. The Shelby County Voter Alliance will be hosting a mayoral forum. And then there are another, uh, there are a number of mayoral forums that are coming up between now and hours on September 7th. So, you know, you can type in Memphis mayoral forum on Google and it'll probably pull up which ones are, are coming up. I love it. So that was the next misconception of I don't know who to vote for, so I just won't vote. So I feel like you already just answered that. Yes. And of course, uh, you can always try to find out some information through the Voter Alliance at ShelbyVoter.org. Yes. And as we said earlier, no one starts out an expert. We all have to learn and continue to learn about issues and make progress. No, I was born this way. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry. My apologies. Fun fact. (laughs) Fun fact. In the sixth grade, uh, there was a oil embargo going on. And if you were going to buy gas, if your license plate ended in an even number, you went on one day. And if it ended on an odd number, you went on a different day. So when I was in the sixth grade, I wrote Jimmy Carter a letter on how to solve the oil embargo. My mama made me look up the address in the encyclopedia. I'm telling my age now. (laughs) And I mailed it off. Probably about six weeks later, I got a response back from the White House. It was a standard response, but I'm in the sixth grade. So it was a special response. (laughs) And I got a response back, and I took it to the teacher. And she was like, oh, wow, class, look, Ian wrote the president and the president wrote him back. And she put it up on the board. I was hooked. <laughs> From then on. Oh, wow. And now you're paying it forward. You are. Yes. Oh, well, thank you. So we've already hit on a couple of the other common misconceptions that civic responsibility only means voting. And we've already debunked that, that there are everyday civic action that you can take um, other than and including voting. And then another common thought is local policy doesn't really affect me much. I only vote for presidential elections. But local policy does impact you. I mean, if you want to look at what happened with Tyrese Nichols, and you saw from other places the things that they went through in trying to find justice for people that have been wronged in other cities like Minneapolis. Uh, Here, you saw the city council almost immediately take up reforms. Those city council people who were supporting police reforms were voted in by the citizens of Memphis. If they have voted in a totally different set of people, they may not have been as open to police reform as our current city council. We may have been going through stuff like they went through in in Minneapolis or Florida or another state where we've had uh, horrific tragedies take place. So voting in your local elections is so important. 
when it comes down to school funding. That's your county commission and your school board. If you don't think there's all in the state legislature because it's a pass through the uh, if you think your schools need to be in a better position and you need to show up and vote for people that you think will run the school system like you think it should be run. Voting touches everything. I know you may not believe this if you're listening to me. Voting touches everything. Something that Rebecca and I actually were talking through, and I'll, I'll again, I'll be the scapegoat for this one. I'm not going to say Rebecca didn't know this. I did not. I didn't really think about it, that all of the, not all, I'm going to say 98% of the people who end up running for a larger office, for um, Congress, for presidential, started off in local elections. So if you're thinking that presidential elections are the only ones that matter, then local elections matter anyway by default because eventually all these people might be the people that are running for president. Mm -hmm. So and they can't get to where they need to get to run for president if you don't vote for them in the local elections. So I was like, oh, wow, this flip flopped on its head. I used to think that the president had all the power and really the people have all the power. Yes, they do. And when the people wake up in Memphis, West Tennessee, Nashville, Knoxville, and Chattanooga <laughs> and start voting, uh, they'll realize the, the power that they have. And uh, that's all I'm going to say on that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm interested to, to know what you are hopeful about in this election season. In Memphis? In Memphis. I'm hopeful that we'll get a new mayor that uh, is ready, willing, and able to tackle the problems of Memphis in a fair and just way. That's what I'm hopeful about. Well said. To kind of expound on that a little bit um, is, you know, what do you wish that listeners knew about elections that maybe we haven't covered yet so far? I think we did a good job in covering uh, all of the bases around the elections. The, the biggest thing that I could say, uh, and I've said it multiple times now, is that people need to realize the power that they have and go to the polls. And I want to do a shout out because this is a pet project of mine. If you live in the Fraser area, y'all do not show up to vote. If you want Frazier to improve, show up to the polls and vote in this mayoral election and for your city council people. When you start doing that, you'll be surprised at how quick Frazier can change. Perfectly said. So something that we've done here before from time to time is what we call a lightning round. So it's quick answers. I'm out. Ah! <laughs> so hopefully this, again, is easy. If not, we'll scratch it. Okay, so we're going to play a little game of who or what office is responsible for blank. So who or what office is responsible for public works? So like streets, sewers, snow removal, signage, so forth. In the city, that would be your mayor. Your city mayor. Because, yes, because he appoints or she appoints the person that is going to run the public works division. Okay. So that is the person ultimately responsible for public works. In the budgeting process, uh, your city council is going to come in because they help allocate money to that particular uh, division of the government. And if you have a problem with public works, you need to call, I think it's 311 or public works directly. Does public works include roads and infrastructure? So potholes? Uh, I believe so. Okay. Now with that, we have state highways and we have federal uh, highways that go through Memphis. So, you know, if you're complaining about potholes on Lamar Avenue, 
and you complaining to the mayor, well, the mayor is not responsible for paving Lamar Avenue. That's a federal highway, so the federal government is responsible for paving uh, Lamar Avenue. If it's a state highway, then the state is responsible for paving that state highway, not your city and your county. So if it's like your average one-of-the-mill street, Central Avenue, well, the city is responsible for that. I feel like I just answered my own question from before about what intimidates people about <laughs> participating. <laughs> <sighs> okay, who or what office is responsible for police, fire departments, or emergency medical services? Okay, again... If you are in the city, your city mayor appoints the police chief and the uh, fire chief. So those are appointed positions. Okay. Uh, but if you have a fire, you don't call the mayor. <laughs> you call 911 <laughs> and say, I need the fire department <laughs> or the police department. And I think you had uh, another thing. Emergency medical services. Uh, typically, that's how uh run through the. In the city through the fire department. Okay. Public transportation, who or what office is responsible? Public transportation is uh, through MATA, M-A-T-A. Okay. Uh, so if you have a need or a want, then you need to go through MATA. The mayor has some influence over MATA, but he does not run MATA. Mm, okay. And for those of you all who don't know, right now we're trying to get the city and the county to put more money into matter so we could get uh, better services. Uh, one of the entities, either the city or the county, does not put any money into matter, and we're trying to get that particular entity to start contributing to matter as well. And I phrase it like that because the exact entity is slipping my mind right now. Who or what office is responsible for utilities or contracts of utilities? All right. The city mayor appoints the person who is running MLGNW. Okay. So if you all know Doug McGowan was moved from the CAO position by Strickland into the position of CEO of MLGNW. It's like alphabet soup. Yep. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> again, uh, if you have a problem with MLGNW, you call them. You don't call the mayor. The mayor just appoints that person. And MLGNW also has its own board that helps with oversight. So, that's kind of how MLGNW is set up. Okay. I, I, I want to say this. If you have not lived outside of Memphis... I understand why you don't appreciate MLGNW. I like having one utility bill. I like being able to go to MLGNW and say, you know what, I'm having a problem, and it's I only have to talk to one entity to resolve it. And I also like the fact that MLGNW is a city-owned entity, and before they raise your rates, they have to go to the city council and ask them if MLGNW was a privately run corporation, they could go up on your rates anytime they felt like it. And you might be dealing with three different entities, one for water, one for gas, and one for electricity. So uh, my hat's off to MLGNW. I just wanted to plug that. It's always helpful to understand the context, and that's part of the reason we wanted to have this conversation is to, you know, help clear up some of the potential muddiness for understanding which office is responsible for which piece in our city, which budget is responsible yeah. for the pieces of the work that are moving our community forward, and how can we speak up and who do we need to speak to uh, in order to keep that momentum going. Is there something that you think there is a common misconception about who or what office is responsible for that people often gripe or complain about that you're like, that's not even that person or office's responsibility. I'm sure there is, but off the top of your head. Off the top of my head, I hear a lot of people just in general 
going to the wrong place to try to get a problem resolved. And then they get frustrated because it's not getting resolved in the time frame and the way that they think it should. So, you know, if you got a problem with MLGNW and, and you call them public works, that's not going to, I'm, you know, using an extreme yeah. example. Yes. Uh, that's not going to get your MLGNW problem fixed. Or you go to your city council person and you complaining about something, but that's really the purview of the county commission. And that city council person may not be able to help you in an expedient way or the way you want them to help you because it's a county commission problem. So I see that happen all the time. And I think that probably trickles into the voting booth, just not quite understanding who is responsible for what. So you get overwhelmed and you don't show up, which is what we've seen in the kind of common myths that we talked about. So I'm grateful to Shelby County Voter Alliance for helping to dispel some of these myths and to, you know, help get our community educated and engaged with the voting process to make it less intimidating. Um, I think it's so exciting that you are not only working to get new voters registered into the booth, but that you're also taking it the next step to get registered voters re-engaged and in the voting booth. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) And is there anything that you wanted to share today that we didn't ask you? I need everybody that's listening to my voice. If you are not registered to vote, you need to get registered to vote. Then you need to learn about what's on the ballot. And then you need to show up to vote to exercise your power. Uh, And I think I'll leave it with that. Well, I will have one follow-up question. What's the last day to get registered to vote in the October election? I believe that is September 5th. It's 30 days before the actual election day. So if you are listening to this episode and conversation before September 5th, 2023, get registered. Check your registration ahead of that in case you do need to uh, update your information there. And just to let folks know, early voting takes place September 15th through September 30th. And as Ian shared, that is an opportunity for you to get out and vote in the closest voting booth to you. You do not have to go to your assigned polling location for that. So if it's easy while you are at work to pop over uh, to a polling booth on your lunch break, on your coffee break, it's a lot faster than standing in line. But no matter when you vote, we do hope you show up to vote. And voting uh, is also taking place on Election Day, October 5th. Independent Bank is celebrating 25 years of sharing your stories, building your dreams, and serving you heroically. Find out how iBank can help you achieve your financial dreams at i-bankonline.com. Member FDIC.